Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast presented by The Green Solution. Visit any one of their 18 Colorado locations or go online to mygreensolution.com and use that promo code DNVR20. You'll get 20% off your entire purchase. I'm your host, Drew Creaseman. I am the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. And on this episode of the podcast, I'm going to spend the first bit of time here talking through a lot of the pitching that I've seen over the last couple of days, getting into what I've seen out of Kyle Freeland. I've got a few thoughts on the Ubaldo Jimenez outing that may be a little different than what you might expect considering the results, some of the relievers that we've seen over the last couple of days. And then after that, I've got a 15-minute or so conversation that I had with Pot. Patrick Patrick Saunders of the Denver Post uh, on his article about the Colorado Rockies offense and what we both think that they could be doing here in spring training and then into the regular season to get more on that side of the ball. But let me begin with a few takeaways from the game that I just witnessed. Colorado Rockies uh, beat the Cleveland Indians 3 To one, Kyle Freeland got back out on the mound after having to take a little bit of time off with a sore back issue. Top line takeaway, the back was fine. He was able to throw three innings, no problem, no health, felt 100%. All of it was precautionary to begin with. So if whatever you need to take your sigh of relief for Kyle Freeland, at least in terms of his health, looks like he's going to be good to go. Also, on the mound... Looked locked in, looked very, very sharp. He told us midway through the game once he had come out that, you know, his big thing today was that he was going to work on his curveball in his first outing. He really wanted to work on the changeup. And then today was about kind of putting those two pitches together. He said he threw a majority of those two pitches. Ironically, the one run that he did give up was on a mislocated fastball that he just kind of threw in there to try to throw the guys off of the fact that he was throwing pretty much nothing but off-speed and breaking balls, and as a result, uh, he gave up a home run on that one. It was a center cut fastball. Look, he missed his spot and gave up an oppo jack, but the fact of the matter is uh, he was really, really locked in. That was the only pitch where he made a bad, bad mistake. There were a couple, like uh, he walked the batter immediately after that on four straight, um, but he wasn't missing his spots by a ton, and if you're going to miss your spot, You want to miss your spot out of the zone, not right over the heart of the plate. And so those are not as bad of misses as the one where he gave up the home run. But for the most part, he really wasn't. He was hitting his spots. The changeup will look really, really good. Got four strikeouts today, three of them on the changeup, one of them on the curveball. The changeup really hasn't been a swing and miss pitch for him in the past. And that was really interesting. He, He talked about that in his post-game, well, mid-game <laughs> press conference, where he said, and it wasn't even really a press conference, his mid-game talking to us, uh, where he said, you know, my changeup is usually, that's a soft contact pitch. I try to get guys out in front. I try to hit them into the dirt. And, and they did a lot of that today. I asked him specifically if the ground balls he was getting were from, you know, the hitters maybe just just missing some pitches or if he was getting the action and the, the exact kind of result that he was hunting for. He said, 100%, I was getting the results I was hunting for. I made the one mistake. I'm really not happy with that pitch. But beyond that, I did everything I wanted to do out there today. And that was a really great takeaway to see from Kyle. Three innings pitch, two hits. One of them went over the fence. It happens. The two walks would be more concerning 
if he wasn't still working into regular season form, you know, not basically throwing the fastball only 10% of the time as an honesty pitch. Usually that's the other way around. Um, So I, I was actually very encouraged by what I saw out of Kyle today, both in terms of his mechanics were smooth. He was confident on the mound. And that was the biggest thing for me. He was confident on the mound. He was confident after the game. In fact, he was maybe a bit too confident. I tweeted out about this, but, you know, we're all sitting there talking. And he's going through this thing about I'm working on my curveball for this one. Game one was change up. I get really specific about I want to work on a specific pitch each outing as we build through spring training. The next one's going to be slider. And we all kind of looked at each other and looked at him and like, there was a camera rolling. There's been one or two times where guys, if there's like maybe, let's say there's three reporters there and there's not a camera. I can recall one time where a player, like he swore in front of us a bit casually. And we all kind of looked at him and looked at each other and said, don't worry, we're not going to get in. You know, you know, that's not the point. That's not what we're there to do. Um, and if this was in the regular season, that might have been a moment. And he would, Kyle, see, Kyle's too smart. He wouldn't have said this in the regular season. He knows what time of year it is. But we did all kind of look at each other and go, did he just tell everybody, look out for the slider next outing? And so, you know, it'll be interesting to see if he goes out there and gets knocked around a little bit because guys are hunting for that pitch. Obviously, he's not going to throw it 100% of the time. When he says he's working on pitches like this, as he did with his curveball today, he just threw it about twice, maybe three times as much as he normally would. But, I mean, the guy's feeling good. He's feeling confident. Patrick Lyons and I wrote up the story today, uh, our little Falls Count Anywhere series that we do, where we battle back and forth about the importance of Kyle Freeland. And and there were some disagreements there, but I think we both agree that he is, I mean, everybody agrees. There's no way to look at this team objectively and not come to the realization that Kyle Freeland is one of the most important members of the roster in terms of differentiating between what they did last year and what they were able to do the two years before. A good version of Kyle Freeland is a massive difference maker for this team. And I'm feeling more and more confident that a good version of Kyle Freeland is exactly what we're going to get. I'll put a pin in that for now. There'll be plenty of Kyle Freeland conversation to have moving forward and throughout the season to be sure. Uh, One observation I wanted to share with you all comes from the man who started the day before. Of course, you all know him. You all love him. I saw a couple of people giving him a really hard time, though, and I I just want to say this about Ubaldo Jimenez. Him being at this spring training and on the roster is in no way, shape, or form on any level a problem. It's not evidence that the Rockies don't know what they're doing or that they're a joke or that they've got to go find a guy. It's none of those. There There is absolutely no issue with having this guy who no wasn't going to make the opening day roster and they seem reluctant to convert into a bullpen role and him getting knocked around by the Dodgers starting lineup after two years of not pitching in Major League Baseball is both not surprising and not in the least bit concerning. Here is my take on Ubaldo Jimenez right now. The whole thing is a long shot. But this, it's not a mascot either. It's not just a story for us in the media to go and write, oh, isn't it neat? Look, the best guy in franchise history. And yes, we can do those things. When he handed the ball to, 
or when John Gray handed the ball to Ubaldo Jimenez. And those guys are going to go down as the top two strikeout artists in franchise history, with maybe Marquez working his way into that as well. Yeah, that stuff is super cool, and yeah, it makes for fun spring training media fodder. But I was watching Ubaldo inside of him getting knocked around by those Dodgers, and I saw some really excellent movement on his pitches. Some real bite. And guys were swinging and missing big. One of the, um, in fact, I think there, there was a run that scored on a wild pitch in that first inning when he gave up five runs that the batter swung at. His stuff was moving so much that Tony Walters, who was catching, was having some some problems with it. And part of it was Ubaldo got really shaky with the command and he didn't know where it was going to go. And he, he look, the command wasn't there. The command and control just not even close to where it needs to be if he's going to make his way back to a major league roster. And if it stays where he's at right now, he's not going to snip it. But I heard from Patrick Saunders, who reported that Ubaldo Jimenez will likely agree to go to AAA if needed. Now we've got an interesting story from a baseball standpoint. This isn't just a, hey, neat, cool to see Ubaldo back in purple and pitching to Carlos Gonzalez in spring. Now this is interesting because he's going to have time and he needs time to get himself right. If, if, if he can find his command and control, though, the Rockies may have something here because his curveball, his splitter, and his slider are still funky, breaky, difficult pitches to hit. He doesn't throw 97 anymore, and so he's going to have to learn to adapt to some things and throw differently than he has in the past. But stashing this guy in AAA, a guy who does have experience pitching at Coors Field and has experience dominating as a member of the Rockies and has nothing to lose. Nothing to lose. And knows he needs to get better. Nobody expects... So look at what's happened with Daniel Bard. Similarly, his first outing, he got absolutely obliterated. Next time out, clean inning, two strikeouts. And, you know, it's up and down. And they're pitching against, you know, uh, Bard was still minor leaguers where Ubaldo's out there trying to find himself against the most dangerous lineup in the National League. Yeah, it it's he was going to get hammered. That would just as soon as I saw his name on the lineup card and that the Dodgers were rolling out the starters, I knew that game was going to get ugly. But. Man, I, I, I see some Rockies people out there rushing to dunk on Ubaldo Jimenez and putting aside the fact that there really ought to be nothing but respect for this guy and what he has managed to do in a Rockies uniform. This is a no-risk, potentially some-reward situation for Colorado Rockies pitching. And where before I thought, eh, nice story, Believe it or not, watching him get knocked around by the Dodgers, and there was some bad luck in there. He had a couple of jam shots fall in on him when they shouldn't. Like I mentioned, uh, Tony was having a little bit of a hard time uh, blocking some stuff behind the plate, had an ill-advised throw that kept that inning going. But I see a little something there. And maybe it's nothing. Maybe it's something. But that's the thing. It doesn't cost the Rockies anything anything to stash this guy in triple a 
and give themselves all of these really interesting options. Like the AAA, Albuquerque's pitching rotation is going to be really, really interesting this year. Uh, another guy who's going to be right in that mix is somebody who threw two innings today who now leads the Colorado Rockies in innings pitched this spring. And if you'd asked me, you know, we're about at the midway point now. If you'd asked me coming into this, who's going to lead the Rockies in innings pitched this spring through the first half, I would not have said Ashton Godot. And yet here we are, and he looks good. I've written about him. We've talked about him. Uh, Patrick Lyons has gone more in-depth and will continue to, so be on the lookout for that, especially on the next podcast you'll hear. should be Minor League Monday. But this kid is working. Tw- I, I say kid. He's, he's um, 25, 26 years old now. He's, he's a late bloomer, but he's hanging, and they're not throwing him out there in innings against double-A AA and triple-A guys. They're specifically, he was the first guy to get the ball after Kyle Freeland today. He threw two innings against Cleveland's starting lineup and did not give up a run. I think Ashton Godot just might be a guy who figured it out at 25 years old. It, it happens sometimes, but I don't see the success that he is achieving as random or lucky. He is executing excellent pitches, at least today and the last time I really watched him closely. He was throughout last year whenever Patrick Lyons would say, hey, look at this guy. you got to check on this guy. I think Stephen, like Ashton Godot has been so good since the beginning of last season that the guy responsible for it, largely believed to be responsible for it from, from the coaching. I mean, the guy most responsible for it is Ashton Godot, but... Steve Merriman got this huge promotion. And we were talking about this with Bud Black this morning before the game started. And he was talking about how Merriman was one of the original guys in charge of creating some of these technologies that are kind of ubiquitous now amongst pitchers. The stuff like driveline and and some of these other, you know, technical, what was it? It was Noah Syndergaard who said today that technology in baseball when you're not cheating is really cool. <laughs> Ooh, keep bringing the fire. I love Noah Syndergaard. I don't care. I've said many times the Rockies shouldn't trade for him because I don't think he'd profile well at Coors, but that's completely different than whether or not I appreciate his opinions on the wave and on cheating. I love it whenever Noah Syndergaard speaks his mind. Um, but yeah, th- this technology stuff... The Rockies actually have a pitching coach who's overseeing now basically the philosophy of the entire organization. And he comes from this school. He helped invent these tools that now all of these guys are using. And we saw a lot of Rico Garcia last year, who's no longer with the organization. And there was just some, you know, there, there was just a numbers issue for him there. Ashton Godome. Now and, and and several others who are coming up. Ryan Castellani, I know he's worked with a lot, and they're still trying to work out a lot of things in, in in his delivery to get the absolute maximum out of it that they can. The simplifying of Antonio Sensatella's delivery. Uh, th- there's a lot going on here with the coaching and with internal improvement. And you'll hear Patrick Saunders and I talk about this a lot on the offensive side here in a little bit. But it it really is an interesting thing to take a look at 
as you're looking at the pitching side as well. We all know Kyle Freeland has the opportunity to improve upon his play from a year ago, but Ashton Godot, again, I've said this about a few other guys now, like Elias Diaz, you're talking about maybe a Tyler Kinley who had another great inning. Tyler Kinley hasn't a lot of run all spring. He was fantastic in the ninth again today. He's only had one inning where he had a little bit of traffic and he handled that like a pro. Actually loved looking over. I was standing on the field and we had to wait for just a few minutes after the game as Bud Black was talking to Tyler Kinley. No idea what Bud Black said. He had his back to me. Kinley's face was to me. But I could I could read Kinley's lips and he just said, I get it. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, we'll do that. And, he, and it was just to see that bit of, of interaction between them. I think Tyler Kinley is going to be a real thing. Let's add Ashton Godot's name to the list of guys who weren't technically offseason acquisitions, though Kinley and Diaz were, but they weren't right. The major league acquisitions that everyone kept talking about. I wrote that article the other day about the under the radar guys. I hope you can go and check that out. Didn't have Ashton Godot's in the name. He's so, in that article. He's so under the radar, I didn't even talk about him. And I was talking about new members of the organization for the most part, but this guy's got something. And I probably said it before and I'll say it again. Don't just blink your eyes because he's 26 and hasn't pitched above double A. Uh, there's a reason the Rockies are giving him the most number. That, that can be one of the most telling things in spring training. It was like last year when Rymel Tapia was out of options and he led the team in plate appearances by like 10. Why? Because they want to see every little bit of him that they possibly could give him every chance to make the team. And he did. And I don't think that Ashton Godot is going to make the roster, but I think that the AAA rotation is going to be filled Interesting guys. Whoever misses out, you know, Peter Lambert could be there if Jeff Hoffman turns it on and grabs that fifth spot. So you're going to have Lambert, Yabaldo, Castellani, Godot. Um, th- th- there's going to be some really interesting guys there uh, in AAA with an opportunity to come up and, and help the Rockies. And it's not just going to be prospects who are maybe a little bit too far away the way it has been in the past, the way they had to call up a 21-year-old Peter Lambert last year, they're not going to be in that situation. Uh, though these guys will be, you know, if it's Godot, he'll be making his debut. But it's a, it's a more interesting group of guys from a, a starting pitcher depth position than even I had thought about originally. And I'll tell you something else about Ashton Godot. The guy is a mountain of a man. He towers over. I don't know what he, I think he's listed at like 6'5". The poppycock. He's six seven. And if he was a little thicker, he could probably get out there and play for these Colorado Raptors. I'll tell you something that's really cool about the Raptors. You can go to the games for super cheap. You can get food and drink that don't break the bank. It's if you're going out to a sporting event, it's going to be one of the easiest on your wallet, and it's going to be one of the most fun. You've got to join the team over here at DNVR Raptors. Colin Strickler is just... Colin. I've done that before. I I don't know why. Colton is his name. He's absolutely fantastic. He knows rugby. He knows how to explain it to people who don't know rugby, which is just as important. And they've got an opportunity to be really, 
really good this year. As soon as I get back to Colorado, I'm going to be going out to Infinity Park every chance I get to watch them go on a run. If you've never seen live rugby before, treat yourself. It is a joy. It is so much fun. Uh, take the whole family. Go by yourself. Either way, it's you're going to have a good time. The, the park is in Glendale. It's just east of Cherry Creek. You can get in for five bucks if you're uh, if you've got kids. Like it's it, it really is a fantastic experience. So check them out as soon as this podcast is over. If you have any interest, check out the DNVR Raptors pod. Give them a follow on Twitter. Uh, let me know what you think if you end up going. Hit us up on Twitter. Uh, I'd love to see it because it really has been so much fun uh, starting to follow that sport and. I don't. I still don't know all the rules. <laughs> Maybe half of them. I'm still figuring it out. But it's been a lot of fun. All right. At this time, I would like to welcome in, for the first time officially, but maybe not technically, Patrick Saunders of the Denver Post. Man, I appreciate you taking the time. No problem, Drew. Yeah, I was. I think I was uh, gonna be on one of your podcasts, and I got caught in a heated battle between somebody and. I just step away. So anyway, I'm, I'm glad you asked me. I'll, I'll enjoy this. I believe those were our good friends, Manny Rondawa and Tracy Ringles. Oh, that's what it was. <laughs> okay. That's and, enough said. And one of those. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I'm really glad you could take the time, but also because I think this is the perfect way to introduce a new thing I want to do on the podcast this year, which is dive more into some of the reporting uh, that you guys are doing really on the ground level, uh, getting in there. And I thought you wrote a fantastic piece uh, a couple of weeks ago about something that wasn't talked about enough. We, we all knew the issues with the pitching, and, and you mentioned that up front. But there are some things offensively that both didn't happen with this club and maybe could to help them out. Yeah, it's interesting, Drew. I mean, we all know that the Rockies' uh, poor offense last year was overshadowed by the miserable pitching. But it was Buddy Black who really kind of caught my attention early in camp when he said, you know, we have to improve our chase rates. And I dig, did some digging and thought, you know, okay, well, you know, what, what does he mean by the chase rate? Is it home? Is it away? Is it too many strikeouts, et cetera? And the more I looked into it, I realized um, why the Rockies are putting such an emphasis this year and this spring on the idea of being able to put the ball in play more, fewer strikeouts, particularly on the road, and not flailing at pitches outside the strike zone. Now, there are some players, and you know well know this, who can handle a pitch out a little bit out of the strike zone and punish it. Nolan Arenado comes right. to mind. Nolan doesn't have to ball, have the ball straight down center cut to do damage. Right. But there were too many players on this team last year, particularly on the road, who are coming up with empty at-bats. And the Rockies simply can't afford to do that if they want to be competitive. Yeah, and I think the thing that really opened my eyes about it is the one of the watchwords of the offseason, and there were, there were many, was internal improvement. Right. Jeff Breidich and Dick Monfort talked about that at the end-of-year meeting we were right. at and made that a big deal. And I saw a lot of people in the fan base kind of rolling their eyes at that. I think because a lot of people thought, oh, I guess they got to get bounced back years from all these veterans who didn't do well or, or guys who really struggled. What was interesting about your piece was it showed how they can get more out of some of their guys who are actually pretty good, like a Trevor Story who strikes out a little more than he should. We all know he's a great player, so you ha have a hard time going, 
well, you know, story's got to get better for this team to go where they need to go. But if he does get better, that's another way they can get better. Now, that's a great point. I, I think sometimes, and you and I both know this, uh, fans' attitudes goes with the one-loss record, right? They forget that the Rockies, and I've been hard on the Rockies myself, but they forget the team did make the playoffs. But then when in 17 and 18, but then they, they hear internal improvements, and the only thing they think of is, well, we're just going to rely on the players we have to get better. But your point is well taken. Internal improvements means changing some of the things they do within the organization to get more out of their players, be it a Trevor Story, be it a Ryan McMahon, who, as we were talking about a, a few minutes ago uh, uh, before we turned on the mics, we both think he's got incredible potential, but he also struck out almost 30% of the time last year. Right. And the Rockies are doing a lot of stuff. They're using uh, more pitching machines. Uh, Nolan is even taking advantage of that. Uh, the idea that learning how to control better that home road environment that they have to hit in, uh, studying video more, all of those things are things within the organization they're trying to do differently and improve upon to be a better offensive ball club. Yeah, I think one of the key figures in all of this was uh, a new guy last year in Dave Magadan. And, you know, this is one of those things that's tough for people on the outside to know, like, what kind of impact does a hitting coach have and, and when does it really start to take hold? I remember making a big deal out of the Magadan acquisition last off season. And then the first month of, of last year, the Rockies couldn't hit the broad, broad right. side of the barn. And people are going, what, what, come on. But what is your sense of the way Mags now, you know, now he's got a whole year under his belt, how he's coming into this spring training and how he's working with these guys. Let me start out by saying, um, and I don't mean this disparagingly, I think sometimes hitting coaches from a fan's perspective are way overrated. Mm. In other words, they're not magic bullets. Because a lot of players, the elite players at this level, I'm not saying they ignore the hitting coach, but they have their off-season. They do what they're going to do. They do. They have their off own off-season programs, their own off-season gurus, their own guys who they talk to. They talk to each other. The hitting coach, coaches, they work their tails off. A lot of it's mechanical. I mean, through the years, I've realized... Yeah, the players will rely on them when they're in slums to spot things. But in Madigan's case, I think he was different. And I'll tell you why. I think he brought some different thoughts and theories on how to improve the Rockies. And one of them I already mentioned, getting Nolan and some of the other guys to buy into some, uh, some different ways to improve. Uh, but from what I've been told, and I'm sure you know this too, um, he is... Uh, his communication skills are really good. At least yeah. that's what I've been told. Yeah. Where the players, Charlie Blackman, for instance, um, they, he, Madigan, he, he, he jibes with them, if that makes sense. Yeah. Right? He's not just a critic, whatever. Uh, his communication skills are really, really strong. And I, I think that makes a difference. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, <laughs> I think that's one of the things that, can get lost in all this too the way just baseball teams are around each other all the time and sometimes just having those personalities that don't rub you the wrong way they may be saying the exact same thing the last hitting coach was but it just wasn't getting through yeah i agree with that i'm, I'm curious what your take is uh what do you think the rockies 
offense has to do to get better because on the road last year their strikeout rate was the second worst in, in the majors. Right. I think overall they were ninth most or something like that. But on the road they had the second most Ks in baseball. And we know the Coors Field hangar is real. Right. There's always going to be an adjustment. Yet, uh, 2018, the offense wasn't all that great, but the team was able to score big runs in big moments, and they ended up winning, what, uh, how many road games did they It was the record. It was the franchise record. 41. 44. Yeah, 44. Okay, yeah. So my point being there, Drew, was that in 2018, although the offense was certainly not one of the most prolific offenses in franchise history, it wasn't no. by any stretch, they put the ball in play, and they got key hits when they needed to, and it helped them win games. That, of course, with much better pitching, too. Right. No, I, I totally agree, and you, you heard me ask Buddy about it this morning, the productive out. The not striking out, I think those two things go together, is that it is more difficult to hit on the road for these guys than anybody else, which means that moving the runner over, getting the sack fly is a much bigger deal for these guys, and so I think... Some of it's just going to be carrying guys that profile that way. I really liked the Elias Diaz pickup from Agreed. that standpoint. He makes contact. Yeah, yeah. He, he really does. And and I think it, you know, it, it would, to, to use, was it Clint Hurdle, behoove? It yeah. would behoove. No, that was Jim Tracy. That was Jim Tracy. Jim Tracy, uh, it would behoove them. Yes. It would behoove them to continue to add guys that make that kind of contact. And also, and this is the reason why I loved your article so much, I think making patience the standard because it's so easy to be aggressive when you're at Coors Field yeah. and go out and have fun and do the thing. Dividends. Of course it does. But then to ask the guys to switch to a different mindset when they go on the road, I, ju- I think it's too hard. I think you've got to be going up to the plate and we've seen it so far, the spring training, it's easy to do it in spring when it's an emphasis, but guys going up to the plate, Trying to get deep into the count, looking at some stuff. Stay, take and strike one if it's there. I, it must kill Nolan Arenado to take strike yeah, one. Yeah. But I think over the course of the ball game, over the course of the season, all of those things really start to add up. And I, I think they can, with the personnel they've got, squeeze out a pretty darn good offense if they play with the right strategy, with the right philosophy. Yeah, it's, you made an excellent point. Uh, and I, I think longtime Rockies fans understand this, but maybe some, you know, Fairweather fans or, or certainly national writers or people who look outside looking at the Rockies, you know, the players get blasted so often for their splits. You know, even Nolan Arenado or even Todd Helton or Larry Walker or whatever. But the thing that you got to realize is, and I know you do, the reward from Coors Field sometimes is negated by the adjustment that you have to make as a hitter going on the road. Right. We talk about the Coors Field hangover. It's real. And what, what you've got to understand is when you get rewarded for a certain strategy or a certain pitch you hit at Coors, yet you go on the road and you get nothing out of it, right. that's a hard thing. And you, you're exactly right, Drew. You can't ask players at this level to somehow become two different kind of hitters. Right. Oh, I'm going to break out the Coors Field swing for a 10-game homestand, yet I'm going to go into my Petco Park swing for four-game <laughs> right. series against the Padres. But great point. They've got to and I they've got to be more patient. They've got to be more disciplined and they've got to be able to have the fundamentals of hitting 
whether it be Coors or on the road. And I think in the long run, that'll pay off. And it'll probably pay dividends of Coors, not just on the road. That's the thing that I think will be really interesting that we could see almost a completely... I think there are some other things. I think McMahon's going to take a step forward. I think if Daniel Murphy's not hurt, he's just going to be better. But I think there's a way that with largely the same personnel, because of exactly what you wrote about in the first week of spring training, we're going to see a very different offensive team this year. Guys like Garrett Hampson playing well, and like I love the bunt that he brings to the yeah. game. Stuff like that, because that's going to play on the road, where you can't necessarily hit the ball in the gap exactly the same way you can at Coors Field. So... Let me, let me point out one more thing before we go. The, the one thing last year that bothered me about the Rockies on the road a lot were there were games, and we know the pitching wasn't good, but there were games last year on the road where the Rockies were in the game, even though in games when their pitching was pretty solid and it was a close one-run, two-run, low-scoring game, but the Rockies didn't give them themselves a chance to win because they were whiffing too many times. They were not hitting the sack fly when they had the chance. They were not moving the runner over. They were failing to execute hit and runs. I know fans would tweet me all the time. They said, what are the Rockies doing hitting and, you know, doing the hit and run? Well, because on the road sometimes and those got a ballpark, sometimes you have to do that. The problem was sometimes the Rockies didn't execute it. Right. They've got to do those things better in my mind. That's why the the uh, sort of origins of my question this morning actually came from a fan who said to me, "Is I, the, the Rockies twice this spring have had runners at second and third with nobody out, scored both runners without getting a hit. And the guy asked me, he's like, did they do that once last year where they had runners at second and third with nobody out and got them both in without needing a, a hit? Were they able to execute that? And I'm, I assume once or twice, but did, we... Did you try to find I, it? <laughs> I looked through some games, like, wow, that's a lot of... We're going to yeah, have to yeah. sift through the, the, the base. But, you know, from my recollection, it wasn't often. No, it wasn't. And it's something that this team, uh, you know, needs to do. Um, you know, and let's face it, the Rockies are not... They're not the home run... They're not the Blake Street Bombers. Right. I mean, sure, they've got power, they got juice, but they're not the Blake Street Bombers. Uh, I think they're going to have more power this year. I do. Yeah. Uh, but they've got to be able to do some of the other things, too. And just to, to, to wrap it up on this point, I wrote a thing uh, during the offseason, too, where I just kind of said straight to Rockies fans, uh, your team is the underdog. And they're probably always going to be. But this is how underdogs overcome. We've, we've seen teams like the Giants in the last decade and the Royals in the last decade. Those teams were underdogs that found out ways to win all the little things in ball games. I think the Rockies have the personnel to do it, but like you said, they have to execute. Exactly, exactly. All right, Patrick, thank you so much, man. You're this welcome. was a lot of fun. Let's Enjoy do it again. It. Okay, man, thank you. Denver Rubber Company is the most reliable local partner for your long-term projects. Since 1972, Denver Rubber Company has provided the highest quality of products from custom die-cut gaskets, molded rubber, to custom contract manufacturing and custom hoses. Denver Rubber Company is your one-stop shop for anything snow plows. The blades can be cut to any length and slotted for mounting to meet your exact specifications. Tweet at us if you're using Denver Rubber Company. We would love to show everybody the fantastic work that they do for you, the fantastic work that they do for us, because we're so confident in it. We know that it's going to look awesome. They custom make all of their stuff. You can purchase products for yourself, and of course, you can buy it bulk at a fantastic rate. 
Locally owned since 1972, be sure to call them today for any snowplow needs, custom gaskets, hoses, etc. at 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com slash dnvr and tell them who sent you. All right, I got to thank Patrick Saunders for coming on the podcast. It was uh, really fun to get to talk to him. We've been meaning to get together on the pod for a while. It just seems like the handful of times I've been ready to have a guest in the press box, he hasn't been around. And as we mentioned, he he came, if you'll all remember, the, the big panel last year when Manny and Tracy were really getting into it about the traditional stuff and the Saber Matrix. Uh, Saber I'm just with the long A's today. Um, they, they were really getting into it. And Patrick Saunders sat down and probably listened to 10 or 15 minutes of a podcast of mine where Ringlesby and Randawa were really the ones in control. And he just up and walked away at some point because he had other stuff to do. So really great that we were able... Uh, to talk about that. And like I said, this is something I'd like to do more throughout the course of this season rather than bringing some of these other people in the media on to talk specifically, you know, to get their pulse of the team conversation, get their comment on the story of the day, whatever the narrative at the time is. I think it would be really interesting to dive deeper into some of these articles that their writing, knowing that if you're listening to this, you're almost certainly reading the reporting of Patrick Saunders and, and Thomas Harding and Nick Groke as well. You should be. I'd love to have those guys and Ringlesby, of course, um, and anybody else. And I'd love to, when they write, you know, an article that particularly interests either you or me, dive deeper into it, have them on the show to talk about that article specifically and so yeah just you know make sure you're subscribed to the denver post post uh i gotta sign off now to the post with patrick saunders you're reading all of his stuff as i'm sure you are and send me those things if there's anything where you know you go man so and so wrote this article that i thought was really great but it also gave i've got so many questions about it i want to know so much more about what happened here or why this happened. Send that to me so I can sit down with that person and we can really go over it sort of frame by frame, line by line, as Patrick and I sort of did here today. Though we, we actually kept it kind of light on the statistics. He said to me afterwards, he goes, hey man, I maybe could have gotten a little more into the details here, but I think it was good to just, you know, chat it out. And so I really appreciate him taking the time. I, I know you all already follow him and you're doing, you're doing that, so can only say it was really fun. I know we're going to have Harding and all those other guys on throughout the year as we do. So hit me up. Let me know what you want to hear about. Thank you so much for listening in to this episode. Oh, the last thing I wanted to say is I've gotten a couple of questions about the Nolan stuff and the clubhouse and where I'm at on that. I really do want to address all of that. Um, Laurel, I I got your note. Uh, Several other people have written in about it as well. Uh, Rachel, Uh, I got your notes, and I I want to address all of these things in a future podcast when I can get into it a little bit more, giving my brain a little bit of a break from the Nolan stuff. But I do have thoughts and observations about how the clubhouse has been, um, where I think this narrative goes from here, and some updates on all of that. So let's do that on the next one. For now, I can only say thank you for listening in. I hope you're following on all the social media, at Drew Creaseman, at Patrick D. Lyons, at 
DNVR underscore Rockies, that you're subscribed to the DNVR.com so you don't miss out on articles like my in-depth piece on James Pazos or the article on all of the under the radar guys, Patrick and I debating over Kyle Freeland. This is all the kind of stuff that you get with your subscription. Plus, you get a free t-shirt. So head over to dnvrlocker.com, check out all those shirts and decide which one you want for free when you subscribe. Thank you all for continuing to be absolutely awesome. I promise you that I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark. This episode of the DNVR Rockies podcast is brought to you by Green Mountain Dental Group. Located in Lakewood, they are the best damn family-owned dentist in the metro, and they're extreme Colorado sports fans just like all of us. Schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam, and you'll receive a free Sonicare toothbrush. Tweet at us when you go there so we know for sure that we're the people who hooked you up with that free Sonicare toothbrush. Green Mountain Dental treats you like family. They'll send you a birthday card. They'll talk to you about Rymal Tapia. Whatever you want to hear, they're a longtime DNVR partner. They show us love, so you got to show them some love. That's how this whole thing works. Only 15 minutes from downtown Denver. The first step to good health is taking care of your mouth, taking care of your teeth, and these are the people you want to be doing that with. So remember, get your cleaning x-ray and exam at Green Mountain Dental and receive a free Sonicare toothbrush today.